morning, and as Jim said, I finished up a series last Sunday uh, called American Idols, Dethroning the Modern Day Idols of Our Time. Uh, and this morning, I'm going to build on that in a little different fashion, but I think it's a great uh, addition and, and second, uh, 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 secondary thought to keep us moving in the right direction. I want to begin to talk to you about a series, and it may go through June, uh, and just very simply, fear not. Everyone say, fear not. Look at your neighbor and say, fear not. Fear is one of the most, or God's challenge to us to not fear is one of the most uh, repeated uh, 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 directives throughout Scripture. God was always telling uh, us and, and His leaders and people to, to, to not fear. And so we've got to embrace that. And my secondary thought is learning to walk by faith and not by sight. You see, that when fear comes, it's because we're looking at life from a different lens and perspective. And of course, 2 Corinthians 5.17, or pardon me, 5.7, just says, For we walk by faith and not by sight. Everyone say that. For we walk by faith and not by sight. You see, if you look at life through what you see from your natural perspective, fear is, is primarily the 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 the, the fruit thereof, because there's a lot to fear in this world. And to kind of get us started off, I, I, I want to be lighthearted for a moment just to kind of help you. Uh, you, know, there's, you know, there's people that are afraid of a lot of things, right? I mean, some people are afraid of, you know, I've got a, one of the members of my family is afraid of big oversized things, like if they see a big boot or something. For some reason, they're afraid of those kind of things. And you know, some people are afraid of clowns. Well, there's all kinds of phobias. Well, I, if you go online, if you want to have a good laugh, that is unless you have one of these. If you have one of these that I'm about to mention, just smile and nod so nobody will know. I mean, because they're pretty funny, actually. So a list of phobias. Are you ready? Here we go. I can't really pronounce them. A blutophobia. Now, I know some people with this. Anybody know what a, a, blut, a blutophobia is? It's the fear of washing or bathing. You probably know somebody with that, right? Yeah, you may be sitting next to, I don't know, it, it, can, it could be. Uh, now, here's an interesting, and I don't know if I can pronounce it, arachibutrophobia. Now, you would think something to spiders, but the butro throws you off. It's the fear of peanut butter sticking to the roof of your mouth. Anybody got that? I, I don't know. Uh, okay, you might guess this one. Bogey phobia. The fear of... Come on now. Fear of the bogeyman. Okay, now evidently there's a lot of people have this next one. Ecclesiophobia. That's the fear of church. If you have that today, God bless you. You're facing your fears. <laughs> I think I have this one. I've got to. I think everybody ought to have this. Helminthophobia. The fear of being infested with worms. I just, I, I'm claiming that one. I do not want to be infested <laughs> with worms. Um, help me. Um, the fear of belly buttons. Up, up. Again, if you have that, just smile and nod and hold. Here we go. Pelodophobia. Pelodophobia. 
the fear of bald people. I won't mention any names around here, but all right, here we go. Oh, here's one. Mm, I'll just say it and move on. Rectophobia. I'm not even going to tell you. My wife has this one. Ratipophobia. It's the fear of getting wrinkles. I think every lady has a, a tip, uh, ratipophobia. Guys, any of your wives have ratipophobia? No, nobody? Okay, they're just afraid to say. All right. And here's one. Sygenosophobia. The fear of relatives. And if you met some of mine, you would understand. How many of you got some of them? You're just plain fear, afraid of them too. Yeah, fear of relatives. Okay. Well, hey, I made up some, I, there's some ministerial affair, uh, phobias. You didn't know par- pastors have phobias. I just made up a few. Uh, empty altar of phobia. I think that under, you understand that. Not a mu- You may have this too. It, it's not ministerially necessarily uh, related. Not enough money for the month of phobia. Uh, let's see. Let me try one. Here's one. You may never come back after this stupid illustration of phobia. I don't know. So you may have that. So anyway, everybody say fear not. And so over the next few weeks, listen, I really believe this is going to make a difference in, in our lives on every level. Even if you are not, uh, you know, paralyzed by a fear, uh, you've got to learn to walk by faith and not by sight. And here's the definition I want to give you today, and we're going to look at it every week until we're through this series. Fear. What is fear? It's nothing more than a natural reaction to a distorted perspective of a temporary circumstance. That's Pastor Sam's definition. Now, let's all say it out loud and say it proud because we'll look at it from a different, many different angles for the next few weeks. What is fear? Let's say it out loud and say it proud. It's nothing more than a natural reaction to a distorted perspective of a temporary circumstance. And from a, from a Christian's perspective, that certainly is true. Now, how many have ever been absolutely at some moment just scared to death over something, just scared you, and then you realize, oh, wait, that wasn't really the bogeyman. It really didn't. It just, I thought, it. you know, my wife's a little jumpy. I can walk in another room and say, hey, babe, and she goes, whoa, look. I say, relax, I live here. I've been here, I've been here for many, many years, and so relax. But, but then she realized, oh, it's a, just a natural reaction to a distorted perspective of a temporary circumstance. She got spooked a little bit, and, and I've told you this before, don't ever try this at home, but I used to do things like this until I learned my lesson. But one year, one time years ago, Beverly and I were getting ready to go. The kids were already gone to school or whatever. They were small and so I'm ahead of her and I'm leaving before her and she's in the shower and I'm in the bathroom talking to her through the shower curtain and I said, okay, we'll see you later. She said, bye, I'll see you later, bye-bye. And I shut the door, but I didn't leave. And I could hear her, I gave her some time to get really relaxed and I reached around the shower curtain. Let me just say, don't ever try that at home. It is not, it is... And she immediately had a natural reaction to a distorted perspective of a temporary circumstance. And I learned my lesson there. How many of you got just learned from Pastor Sam's mistakes? Don't do anything 
like that. Uh, but all of us have things that, that come along that make us fear. And we're going to learn to walk by faith. Everyone say, we're going to walk by faith and not by sight. Now, turn to Matthew chapter 14, because the next two Sundays, we're going to look at Matthew 14 in depth, and we're going to learn some things from Matthew 14, verse 22 through 33, uh, and let me just set the context. Jesus has just multiplied the, 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 the fish and the bread. We'll come back and, and reference that in a moment. But a great illustration that we can learn from, uh, and, and it begins in verse 22. So get the picture. Jesus has just uh, uh, multiplied the fish and bread 5,000 people have fed, have been fed miraculously, plus the women and children. So, so realistically, possibly 15,000 people got fed with five what? And two fishes. Y'all are pretty good. So here we go. So right after that, you know, somebody, they're not even washing dishes yet. They're not, they're just picking up the fragments and 12 baskets full are left over. And immediately, verse 22, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went, in fact, let me just stop. That's all backwards from modern day preaching. You know, people who think they are somebody, they slip out the side and let all the, uh, the peons take care of the crowds. Jesus does things backwards from us. He, he slipped, uh, let his disciples slip away and he took care of the crowds. That's just Jesus. Uh, and so he took care, he dismissed them all and, and dealt with uh, that. And it says, and he sent the multitudes away and he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. Now, when evening came, he was alone there, but the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now, in the the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, it is a ghost. I want everyone, just for kicks, just to keep you from falling asleep, I want you to say, like you were in your living room at night and you saw something you thought was a ghost i want you however you would say it you would say it's a ghost can you do that here we go i know you're not but we'll try i know my wife's not she's not because i'll tell you if she thought she saw a ghost they'd hear this at port Arthur. all right here we go you're in your living room at night and you think you see a ghost what are you going to say it's a ghost. It's a ghost. That's what the disciples did. They already think they're going to die, and now the ghost is coming to, to you know, maybe the, you know, the, the to, with the death nail or something. They did not recognize Jesus. They said it is a ghost, and they cried out for fear. Try it one more time. It's a ghost. That's what they did. And Jesus said this. It says immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, "Be of good cheer. It is I." Be not afraid. Everyone say, be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, everyone say it. Come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to, uh, to go to Jesus. But when he saw, what did he say? Uh-oh, we're talking about walking by faith and not by sight. So Peter started by walking by faith, but then he started walking by sight. So that's the illustration. But when Peter saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and began to seek. See what happens when you walk by sight? You look at things and you get what? Afraid. All right. 
And that's what happened to Peter. He was afraid uh, and began to sink. He cried out saying, Lord, save me. Now, we were crying out. So, uh, you know, let's all try together. You're sinking. You're, you're, you're about to drown and, you're, and Jesus is there. What are you going to say? Save me. Lord, save me. Some of you would never be saved if that's as loud as passionate as you were. Everyone try it again. Come on. Save me. I need help. Here we go. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, Oh, you of little what? Why did you doubt? You know why he doubted was because he started looking at life, these temporary circumstances. He got a dis- he thought it was a realistic perspective, but wait, Jesus is walking on the water. How many of you know that truth overrides the storm's truth? Right? And so he 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 uh, he was a, was fearful and he doubted. And Jesus said, Why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Then those who were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. And everybody said, Amen. Now, catch this picture. Put this in context a little bit. The disciples had just come off of a miraculous intervention of Jesus on the hillside with thousands of people feeding the, the masses with five loaves and two fishes. How many of you know that's pretty dynamic? Now, you need to understand something. When Jesus, in fact, the disciples had told them, uh, Jesus, you've got to send these people away. They're hungry. We don't have anything to give them. And Jesus said, I don't want to hear what you don't have. Just tell me what you do have. And he said, well, we only have. Now, this is most people looking through life, through the lens of the natural realm. We only have five loaves and two fish. Now, they had a skewed perspective when it comes to God. God, basically, Jesus said, I don't want to know what you don't have. Just tell me what you do have. How many of you know little is much when God gets in the middle of it? And so they had this perspective. And so Jesus showed them a phenomenal miracle. The feeding of the 5,000 plus children and wives. It was just phenomenal. And then verse 22, what does Jesus say? Immediately he put them in the boat. Now, you know what Jesus had on his mind? I'm going to teach these disciples a lesson. It's a lesson of faith. I'll call it the test of the tempest. How many of you know that in the middle of a storm, God wants to bless you? He wants to show up in the middle of your trauma of life, but it more than likely is a test. Are you with me? And so understand that. And and let me ask you, when Peter got out of the boat there, you know, when they're in, they've been afraid. And finally he said, well, if it is you bid me to come to you on the water. When Peter got out of the boat, what was he walking on? He was, he said, well, he's walking on the water. No, he wasn't walking on the water. He was walking on a word from God. He got a word from God that said, come. And, and the only time that, and when, when he began to falter in this test is when he looked at life from the lens of his moment and the natural reaction, and he began to fear. Now, 11 of the 12 disciples flunked the test. You know, everybody gets upset with Peter for sinking and looking down. What about the other 11 sissies in the boat? 
Now, here's the interesting thing. They flunked the test. Let's give Peter a grade. He didn't flunk, so he doesn't get an F. He didn't get an A plus because he did begin to sink. Somebody, what do you think? A minus? Pardon me? Teacher said B plus. Well, when's the last time you walked on the water, teach? I say A minus. Come on, give him an A minus. I know the teacher. She's just been. All right. Uh, you know, the only one who passed the test was Peter, and we all get on to him for sinking. Now, now understand something. Hey, uh, Jesus was testing them. Interesting thing. Think about the disciples. They're in the middle of the night in the storm. They just saw him earlier in the day multiply the fish and the bread. He blessed it and broke it, and just miracle after miracle. And it took the storm of their de- to, for them to think they're losing their life. For them to finally, at the after they're supernaturally delivered and the storm calmed, then they said, "Truly, he is the Son of God." I would have thought they'd have got that on the side of this. But how many of you know? Many times we just get used to God's fish and bread. And we don't really realize all the miracles he's doing in our life. Jesus was teaching his disciples some valuable lessons about walking by faith and not by sight. And that's what we're going to begin to look at. We're going to, in fact, the next two Sundays, we're going to learn some lessons. I'm going to give you four this morning. Some lessons from Matthew 14 that you and I need to apply in our life in order to begin to walk by faith and not by sight and thus be able to live a fearless life. Everyone say, fear not. Everyone look at your neighbor and say, fear not. You see, you may not be in the middle of a storm today. Let me just stop and ask, anybody here ever been in one of those storms? Not just, not, I'm not talking about hurricanes or tornadoes like we've seen. How many of you have had your own personal storms? And you needed Jesus to show up in the middle of your mess and, and you, maybe you cried out, Lord, save me. And he came and saved you. You may not be there today, but hang on. Listen, we all go through these things because guess what? God wants to teach us all how to walk by faith and not by sight. Everyone say, for I walk by faith and not by sight. So here we go. I'm going to give you four lessons. Here we go. Write them down. They'll, they'll be simple, uh, but you need to write them down. The first one is this. This is what you and I need to learn. Number one, apply what you learn. You're going to need it. Think about the disciples on the shore. And they saw Jesus supernaturally provide for them in reference to fish and bread and for all the others. You would think they had logged down something and applied it in their life where they walked away from that moment and say, from this day forward, I know that he will take good care of me. He fed the 5,000 plus the women and the children and log it down and be able to apply it in their life. But just hours later, that's why Jesus said immediately he put them in the boat. Listen carefully. The, the, the lessons you're learning today, therefore your test in the future. And so if we'll learn them and begin to apply them in our life, and when God bless, listen, when God blesses you, there's a lesson to be learned. 
When God teaches you something, begin to apply it and begin to walk in it and begin to follow through with it. That's the word we've been sharing over and over again. You see, the miracles from yesterday should build a track record of trust for your tomorrows. So when you learn something and you realize the character of God, the disciples didn't get it. They He fed the 5,000. It took the test for them to flunk to realize surely He was the Son of God. They'd been following him already. And it took the flunking the test of their day, of that hour, for them to realize, truly, you are the Son of God. Whatever God is trying to teach you today is for the purpose of a test tomorrow. And there is always a test. Look at your neighbor and say, there will always be a test. Isn't that right, teach? There's always a test. Now, I've learned something. And and, and, uh, where's Naylan? Naylan, where are you? You got exempt from final exams. That doesn't happen in real life. God don't look down and say, ah, you're so smart. I'm just going to give you a free pass. And you'll never be tested in what you've learned. Doesn't happen in real life. It doesn't happen with God. Look at your other neighbor and say, he said there will always be a test. And so understand something. And so how you pass the test, you begin to apply what you're learning and what you hear and what God's doing in your life. When God begins to speak something to you and you think you're beginning to get, oh, God's speaking to me. I'm learning something new about God. His merciful and gracious and His provision. He provides for me. He takes good care of me. You better start walking in that and, 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 and believe in that on every level because there will be a test. I used to think James was a little off his rocker but until I began to read a little more about what he said. James chapter 1, verse 2 through 4. He said, Count it all joy, brethren, when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your what? Faith. Everyone say faith. That's what Jesus was doing with the disciples. Now, it would have been cool to have seen the disciples out there in the middle of the ocean with the tempest rising and they're all singing, I got the joy, joy, joy in my soul. They weren't. They were fearful. But if they had learned their lesson, even in the middle of the 9-11s of life, listen, you can count it all joy if you know this. What do you know? James said, count it all joy, brother, when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. And let patience or endurance have its perfect work or complete work in you. Listen, and here's God's final analysis of what he's really trying to bring us to. Let the testing of your faith will produce patience or endurance. And let endurance have its perfect work, complete work, that you may be perfect, not, not in perfection state, but complete, complete, lacking in nothing. That's God's desire to bless us. Amen. Lesson number one of walking by faith and not by sight, apply what you learn, you're going to need it. There's a test. Amen? You learn from the disciples' mistake. Eleven of the twelve. I love what Peter said. Well, if it is you, just, just, just bid me to come. I love that. We'll talk about that in a moment. So, with that in mind, repeat after me. Everyone, everyone say, fear not. It's only a test. Say it again. Fear not. It's only a test. So when the storms begin to rage, I'm going to preach a little for you today. 
when the winds begin to roll, when the traumas of life over, overwhelm you and, and you look and you think you're all alone and Jesus has left you, fear not. It's only a test. Amen. If you'll learn that lesson, it'll change your life. Lesson number two of walking by faith and not by sight and living a fearless life. Here it is. Jesus doesn't keep you from the storm. He shows up in the middle of the storm. Jesus is not going to deliver you from the storm. He'll show up in the middle of your storm. You see, just because you gave your life to Christ doesn't guarantee that life's not going to have its challenges, that you're not going to have your, your troubled times. What it does mean, though, that he'll show up in the middle of it. And how many of you know, I'd rather have Jesus in the middle of my storm than no storm and no Jesus. My goodness, I could say that again. I would rather have Jesus in the middle of the trauma of my moment than no trauma and no Jesus. Whew. He doesn't show up and deliver you from the storm. He shows up in the middle of the storm. And you know what? That's what David was saying in Psalm 23. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because thou art with me. Amen. Now these disciples, they didn't get it. They didn't think Jesus was with them because he was, he was back on the shore. He sent us, he sent us out here to harm us. The Lord of glory put us in a mess. And when he did show up, they were so confused about life, they didn't even recognize him. And thought he was a ghost. Did you know you can get so messed up in the middle of your mess that when Jesus shows up in your life, you don't even recognize that, hey, I'm about to do a miracle in your midst. He's not going to deliver you from the storm. Hey, he's not going to keep you from it where you live a storm-free life. He's going to show up in the middle of it. Think about the three Hebrew children, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These three Hebrew children said, I, we don't care what you say, we're not going to bow. Well, we're going to throw you in the fire if you don't bow. That would be when I would start praying, God, deliver them. D deliver me. Let fire come down on all these people that are about to throw me in the fire. And deliver me from this fire. And they said, you know, even if you throw us in, we're not going to bow. Jesus didn't, God didn't deliver them from the fire. He showed up in the middle. And they looked in, the king looked in and he said, oh, everybody do that. Oh, I thought I threw, thanks Josh, nobody else. Josh went, ah. The king looked and he said, the king looked and he said, y'all are weak today. You know what I'm going to eat tonight? A T-bone steak. Will that help you get excited? Come on. And I heard somebody's making homemade ice cream. Come on now. Could I get a better amen? The king looked into the fire and he went, and what did he, I thought we threw three in the fire. No, there's four. And the fourth one looks like the son of God walking in the fire with him. I'm telling you, I'd rather be in the fire with Jesus than no fire and no Jesus. 
He'll show up in the middle of it. One more illustration kind of works that way. Paul, and I think it's 2 Corinthians 12. He had a thorn in the flesh. He said, a messenger of Satan sent to buffet me. He said, I asked the Lord three times to take it away, and he didn't take it away. In other words, he didn't deliver him from his thorn in the flesh, but God spoke to him. And he said this. Uh, let me just turn over and quote it to you because I may butcher it. But he said this to him that references this principle that I'm sharing with you today concerning a, the fact that he may not deliver you from it, but he'll show up in the middle of it. And this is what he said to 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 Paul in reference to the thorn in the flesh in his life. He said, he said, concerning these things, I pleaded with the Lord three times. It's 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9. And this is what God said. My grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Now, you've heard that verse before. Here's what God says. I'm not going to take it away from you, but you know what I will do? I'll show up. In the middle of your weakness, with my grace, my unmerited favor. And guess what? Because of my grace and unmerited favor, my strength, that is my supernatural power, will be made manifest in the middle of your weakness. I'll show up in the middle of it. I won't deliver you from it, but I'll show up in the middle of it. And guess what? I'll get all the glory. Somebody say amen. He doesn't necessarily deliver you from the storm. Hey, you got to walk by faith and not by sight. you got to learn this. Hey, I may have to go through some things to get somewhere. How many college graduates do we have here? We've got some high school graduates. How many college graduates? You had to go through, through some things to get there, didn't you? Man, tests, trials, tribulations, late night studies, doubts, fears. Troubles and trials. And one day you made it through. You've got to go through some things. And Jesus doesn't just deliver us out of it. He walks with us through it. That's why you need faith. If faith were just for the good times, we'd all be in a... Be, faith is for the, for the uncertainties of life. When what we see with our natural eye doesn't add up with what we know inside our hearts. We walk by faith and not by sight. Amen. Life lesson number one, what was it? Apply what you learn, you're going to need it. Life lesson number two for walking by faith and not by sight. Jesus doesn't keep you from the storm. He shows up in the middle of your storm. In fact, it's a promise. How many of you love to claim the promises of God? Here's a promise from God in John 16, Jesus said this, great promise from God. In the world, you're going to have tribulation. Hallelujah. I claim that promise. But then he says, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. I'd rather have Jesus in the middle of my trouble than know Jesus in no trouble. Amen. So life lesson number three, here we go. Here it is. Take courage. Oh, let me back up. We started repeating something. Hey, let's go back to the second one. I want you to repeat something. Repeat after me. Fear not. He's showing up in the middle of my mess. Say, fear not. He's showing up in the middle of my storm. Amen. Life lesson number three. Here we go. Take courage. He will be whatever you need him to be. Everyone say it with me. Take courage. He will be whatever you need him to be. Let me show you this and what his response to them were. When they saw it, they said, it, they went, ah, it is a ghost. And Jesus said this to them 
in, in Matthew 14, he said, uh, let me read it to you the way he said it. Uh, he said this. He said, be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. Let me break that down for you. Be of good cheer really means to take courage. Everyone say, take courage. Then he said, it is I. Everyone say, it is I. You know what the real reading there? I am. Everyone say, I am. He said, take courage. I am. Be not afraid. Everyone say, take courage. I am. Fear not. Take courage. I am. Fear not. Now, you know what he said? He said, hey, listen, you shouldn't be afraid out here. And you should be able to take courage. And you know why? Because I am. I am whatever you need me to be. You see, when you're walking by faith and not by sight and and things aren't adding up with what you see with your eyes and what you've been taught here today and what you believe in your heart, you have to reach out by faith and say, I'm taking courage. I'm taking courage here because I know something about God. He is what I need him to be. He is the great I am. In fact, what did he tell Moses when he called Moses in Exodus chapter 3? Moses said, what do I say? What do I do? And who who will I tell? You know, what credentials do I have here to go before Pharaoh? He said, you just tell him I am sent you. Not I is or will be, but I am. Everybody say, I am. That's what God said. He was, I am. Hey, if you need healing, he is. If you need comfort, that's what he is. If you need clarity and vision, that's what he is. If you need uh, deliverance, that's what he is. He said, why are you afraid? You don't know who you're dealing with here. This is who you're dealing with. I am whatever you need me to be whenever you need me to be it. Amen. Everyone say, take courage. He'll be whatever I need him to be. That's true. That's part of walking by faith and not by sight. And living a fearless life. Knowing that, hey, whatever he needs me, he already is that. Whatever I need, he already is. Everyone say, whatever I need, he already is. That's really true. Whatever I need, he already is. In fact, if you studied the names of God, it's pretty cool because the the different names of God give him different characteristics. Jehovah Jireh, for example. The Lord, my provider. I'm Jehovah Rophi. The Lord, your healer. I'm Jehovah Sitkanu, if I can say that right. I think that means your ever-present help in time of need. Jehovah Shalom. My peace. And so he gave himself different descriptives of all the things that he is. Everyone say, take courage. So repeat after me. Fear not. He is what I ever need him to be. Fear not. He is whatever I need him to be. That'll help you walk by faith and not by sight. Life lesson number four. Here we go. Challenge his capacity. There is nothing too hard for the Lord. Now, everyone say there's nothing too hard for the Lord. 
In fact, Jeremiah said this in Jeremiah 32, verse 17. He said, Ah, Lord God, behold, you made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. There is nothing too hard for you. Jeremiah understood this. And what did Peter do? The one that got, in the teacher's perspective, a B minus, I say an A minus. What did he do? He asked, if it is you, bid me to come to you on the water. In other words, Peter had enough gumption to at least say, if it is you, prove it. You know, in a way, what Peter was saying, you're testing me. Okay, I'm going to test you. You just bid me to come challenge his capacity. Now, don't challenge his ability because there's nothing too hard for God. But in the middle of your mess, in the middle of your storm, don't be afraid to challenge his capacity with your faith to bring about a supernatural miracle in your midst. Because when you step out on faith, he loves it. And he can't help but show up in the middle of your mess when you roll up your pants leg and just step out on a word from God. Yes, they're bow-legged. Get off it. Challenge his capacity. He loves it. Oh, now that sounds kind of challenge God, not in an arrogant sense, but in a faith sense. He, you know what he said? You know one of the biggest fears people have in life? Ah, there's nothing there. Right? Provision. In fact, some people get so afraid of, of their money that they hang on to it. Did you know my Bible tells me if you hang on to it, you'll lose it. But if you sow it, you'll get it. See, God's so different, and he's ch- and so, you know what God said in Malachi? He said, bring all the tithes into the storehouse and prove me, says the Lord. See, if I'll not open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing so much so that you cannot contain it. Hey, God loves it when we put him to the test and say, you said you're going to take care of me. Glory to God. Here goes. Hallelujah. I'm stepping out on the word of God. I'm going to walk on the word of God. And you challenge his capacity because there's nothing too hard for the Lord. Amen. Everybody say, fear not. There's nothing too hard for the Lord. Come on, say it. Fear not. There's nothing too hard for the Lord. Everybody say, fear not. It's only a test. Everybody say, fear not. He's showing up in the middle of my storm. Everybody say, fear not. He is whatever I need him to be. Everybody say, fear not. There's nothing too hard for the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Today, as we conclude this session this morning, you've got to be back next week. Now, I'm going to give you a quickie heads up. 
Here's four more that you're going to get next week. Four more life lessons. You don't need to write them down because you're going to be back next week and, and you can do. Respond immediately to the master. You're on the verge of your miracle. I want to preach that so bad right now. But it's 1157. What did Peter do? Come. Well, let me pray about it, Lord. Let's discuss this. Do you have a class on coming to you on the water? Can I take the class first? Is there something on the internet we can Google about this? No. Respond immediately. Number six, keep your eyes on him. There's great danger in the distractions. Lesson number seven, if you're getting that sinking feeling, you ever had that sinking feeling? He's here to save you. Lesson number eight, try worshiping him before the miracle. Praise is the language of faith. That's next week. OMG, you got to be back. Let's stand together. God is teaching us some valuable lessons today. You may be in the middle of a storm. And he may or may not calm the storm in your behalf. But he would love nothing better to show up in the middle of it. Make himself known. And let his mercy and grace and strength and blessing be made manifest in your life. Let's bow our heads for just a moment then you can go have holidays. If you're here today and you when I started talking about storms you went uh oh how did he know the winds and the storms are beating upon your life and you're in the middle of a storm your faith has been challenged if that's you today with every head bowed and every eye closed be brave and bold and lift up your hand and say that's where I'm at today I got hands going up put them back down I want to pray for you today that you would embrace the revelation of God that God has given you today through this old bow-legged 57 year old preacher Father today for those who are going through traumas and storms troubles Lord I pray God that they would embrace the word of God today they would embrace the gift of faith that you gave us. That you've given us all a measure of faith. And I pray today they'd begin to step out on the water of your word and trust you like never before. You see, it's not a time to doubt him like it never before. It's a time to trust him like never before. And the enemy's trying to assail you with doubt and fear. I came to tell you to fear not. I said, I came to tell you by way of the Holy Ghost and the Word of God, fear not. Have faith in God. Begin to trust Him and reach out to Him. And if you've got that sinking feeling, you just cry out, Lord, save me. And He will come and save. We thank you for it today. And Lord, this week, we choose to walk by faith not by sight.
Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Look at your neighbor and say, fear not. We're going to walk by faith and not by sight. Amen.